we are at uh, Rogers, Arkansas, the future of supply chain, here with Grace Sharkey. And we're, um, if you missed, you probably missed it because uh, you can't actually see, but the camera kit, my YouTube studio in a box, is giving me a little bit of challenges today. So this took a little while to get set up, but uh, Grace is very patient with her time and gracious. As, as as her namesake is concerned, <laughs> but for, for Grace, what, what are you, for folks who may not know, like you're the rock star of, of freight, like honestly, you do so many different things for freight waves and for just the, the overall like freight community, but for folks who may not be aware of all the work that you do, can you give us a little bit of background of your career and how you got into the industry? Yeah, so out of college, I started a freight brokerage with our owner and friends out of school, and we grew that into about 100 employees, $80 million business at the time. I ended up leaving that, started consulting. And at that point, I was really... I'd become a huge Freightways fan. I went to the last in-person event that we had, I think at the end of 2018 in Chicago. And I loved everything about Freightways. I loved the way that they had their own take on the industry. Um, But I also thought they could improve on their freight tech writing. Mm. Um, You could tell sometimes there wasn't a person who's actually done the job Mm. behind the technology, right? And I wanted to be able to help people understand okay, if I buy this tool, I'm going to be able to use it for this, this, and this. Or maybe this tool looks really cool and, and really great, but our company isn't at the point where it's necessarily needed. And I think sometimes the way technology is, is wrote about and marketed is everyone needs this, everyone needs this. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are based off of different business models and different industries that you serve. So... Um, Freightways was gracious enough to give me the opportunity and I started writing and, and all of that went really well. And they ended up giving me, um, I co-hosted a podcast with Sebastian Blanco Transmission, which is still going. Um, and then when Andrew Cox left, they let me take over Point of Sale and we rebranded Great Quarter Guys to Great Quarter Gals, um, which is really cool. Just personally, like raised in a overly go woman home with my mom is like straight out of that that era and uh i always wanted to have like a female-centric show mm-hmm. so um her and i have just been growing that up and then about two months ago uh sirius xm got a hold of freight waves that uh, i prime drive time slot opened up and uh, Kevin Hill called me and offered me the spot and I quite literally told him like (laughs) I would be an idiot not to take it right (laughs) like people go to school for years and years to have a radio show for 20 minutes at 2 a.m right Mm -hmm. and you're gonna give me five to seven and I get to talk about all this stuff I love so um, I've been doing that now too and it's been such a great Good ride and uh, just the beginning, right? That's the, that's the best part. Only a year and a half in so far. That's wild that you have that many different shows all on one platform. And then you also have that, that national radio presence because I, I come from a sports radio background. If you were ever given any kind of like drive time or any kind of platform like that, you are in heaven. You lock that in. And we have people that have been in sports radio with certain time slots for generations. Exactly. It's wild that you have all of these different incredible opportunities, but how are you managing all of this? (laughs) Uh, I use my calendar so well now. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, the biggest thing in, 
a, a lot of the Freightways staff, especially like the production team working with them, is I like to try to stay ahead of schedule as much mm-hmm. as possible. Like that's why I really love this event because I'm able to to leave here and have guests lined up for weeks and weeks at a time. And it allows me to have more control over the content mm-hmm. and play with it instead of that like last minute trying to find someone to go on the show. Um, I think the fact that I'm still writing helps too. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm still talking with a lot of freight tech companies and investors, I have an idea of what the industry is doing. So I'm able to quickly like figure out topics or guests for those podcasts too. So um, that was one thing we talked about when I did take over the show, you know, whether I would stop writing or not. And I didn't really want to because I still I still had enough time where it almost felt like prep for the content that mm. I was going to create anyway. So um, a lot of, uh, of deep <laughs> breathing rituals <laughs> and namaste, right? But um, yeah, I was the b- biggest thing I've learned, and it's funny because I used to look at like YouTuber, YouTubers and I'm like, well, these kids, these kids just like make videos. It's like the easiest thing in the world, but it's. To, and you know this, to, to constantly find guests and to keep up with content, it's like the best thing that you can do is like stay a month ahead of yourself, if not so more, right? And I think even learning from you and Cassandra as well now is like, now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, well, you have to have some free time for yourself. So in order to do that, though, you have to start playing three months out and, and et cetera. So um, it's been an interesting ride and it's definitely helped me kind of manage my own. I'm used to managing a company and managing other people. And it's and now it's myself. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I almost enjoy it more. It's like I finally get to focus on what I'm doing and, mm-hmm. and what I want for my career. How, when you're planning so far in advance, this is something that I, I've recently run into. And I'm trying to figure out what that <laughs> sweet spot is of like planning in advance and then also being topical. Is there a balance that you can approach? I imagine that you could do so with the radio show versus the editorial. What kind of balance are you are you trying to approach with your content? Are there certain categories you're focusing on? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's especially with the radio show. I'll usually fill one of the two hour slots far ahead and try to keep one open mm-hmm. for like last minute type of like announcements because in the investment world, uh, there's times where there's times where I know weeks in advance, and there's times where. I get an email at 10 o'clock the night before. Yeah. So I, that's why I think I'm kind of used to like having that nice balance. Um, But I think what's cool is, especially right now, right? So much attention on supply chain. All of the companies that we work with and talk to are constantly working on good things. So even if I do book someone out far in advance, I'm able to kind of go back and talk about what originally happened, Mm -hmm. but then get to see what's happened since then, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, it's really cool to kind of, this industry flips so fast, right? So it's just, it's almost keeps itself up to date mm-hmm. and, and fresh because like I was telling someone yesterday, if we had this show four months ago, all of these topics would probably be mm-hmm. different, right? We would be not, we would not be talking about diesel. We would be talking about um, rate changes. We, you know what I mean? So it's, um, it, this industry maybe itself keeps itself updated and fresh. <laughs> and so with with a lot of the stories that you've covered, do you have like favorite companies that you love to just continuously go back to and revisit? Who are those favorite companies and why? Uh, so I, I, you know, there's a couple of in- investors that um, 
I would say companies and events. Jet McCandles is like one of my absolute favorites. Um, there's time uh, he he's constantly keeping me updated on what Project Forty Four is doing, which is great. And their their whole team is absolutely amazing over there. Uh, they just added Bart as well from Gardner and um, Jason Debeau over there, and uh, Eric Fullerton, who I got to interview yesterday. All a great squad. So they usually keep me up to date. But what I think is really funny too is like. A lot of times I'll I'll be working on investments and, and his name pops up a lot. So it's like, it's funny how small this world is. So he, him and his crew is probably one of my favorites in terms of personality and leadership skills. Um, I think another great area to, to kind of watch or company watch is Metaphora because they are consulting with so many companies and they they help build a lot of the technology behind the scenes or at least offer consulting. Um, I like to keep up to date with them and, and see who they're talking to and what they're working with. Um, honestly, and please shoot me an email, everyone listening. Um, my inbox is like constantly new stuff. And that's why I love coming here because I get to meet new people. Uh, but with the way that supply chain is today and how many different areas it needs to be updated with mm-hmm. technology, um, usually I don't really have a hard time trying to find some good entertaining information. Well, what are some, what are some areas? I mean, it's a, yeah. supply chain crisis has sort of been the yeah. buzzword over the last couple of years, from, especially from legacy and mainstream media. But what about from the in-the-trenches level? Is, is there yes. anything that's being done right now that you think is really promising to solve a lot of these bottlenecks that we're experiencing? Yeah, I did an interview with a company called PackSafe a couple weeks ago. There's an article on FreightWaves.com about them as well. Um, and what they're doing is they're taking they're taking all this visibility data and now they're applying it to risk analysis and insurance. And I think that's what I'm really into right now is like last year was all about um, data and visibility. Where's my shipment, right? And now the problem is, is that we know where they all are and none of it's where we want it to be. And so what they're doing is uh, they work with cold, cold chain companies and they're able to actually figure out whether or not like a uh, a reefer is going to break down if uh, if there's a temperature issue right on the spot. Uh, I think they're at right now about four hours out. They can detect whether or not a reefer is going to break down. And think of like how that could apply to so many really cool things like um, clearly food moving, right? Like how much food we waste every year. If you work in a brokerage, I guarantee that you've had food deliveries where that shipper's like, one thing's bad, throw it all away. That's usually because there's like no good evidence to show either the FDA or someone that says, no, like just because this one pallet's bad doesn't mean the rest Mm -hmm. of them are bad too. So like, that's what I'm interested is like, now how are we going to like use this action to actually stop waste Mm -hmm. and to predict the future and actually make this actionable? Um, Insurance risk management, because all that's going to lead back to insurance right at the end of the day. Um, if we can start actually seeing ahead of time when things could be damaged, insurance rates are going to fall. Insurance companies are going to start working with freight companies differently. And drivers are going to have a better chance of bringing down those premiums that, unfortunately, a lot of times leads them out of the industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, a great perspective, because I think that you know, once we, we talk about these challenges and we also talk about some of the solutions that exist out there, what are some issues that are not being talked about enough that you feel like they should be talked about more? I think uh, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa Spora, Spora did a really great article on this yesterday. 
I think when we look at sustainability from an environmental standard, I think there's a lot of right now, especially just with like the government promoting it and the UN reports that have been coming out. Um, there's a lot of, hey, we want to solve this problem. We, we can help with gauge your emissions, et cetera. I think a lot of that technology is um, not 100% doing what it should mm. be yet. I think it's being marketed extremely well. Like um, the greenwashing almost. Yes, of- yes, exactly. Um, there's even entities within the industry that I've seen the data that's reported back to them. And one, it's in Excel sheets. So when we talk like like blockchain, it's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 that's not trustworthy. Um, so... I think that's one area that I'm really interested to see, like, how are we going to actually make sure the status is accurate? And when we're telling a shipper, hey, we saved you this much in emissions, are we making a really good guess or is that, a, is that mm. as accurate as it possibly can be? So I think that's one area where I see a lot of marketing behind it. And and even like you're gonna hear me talk about it in podcasts and stuff. Like I'm really pointing out even the finger to myself, and that was kind of Alyssa's point in her article too. Is like we all write about this, and we all are about this, but is it really changing? Even when it comes to like shared truckload, right? Like people, oh, if we can put two shipments on one truck, we save the environment for one. Yeah, but you also just kind of save yourself money. True. You know, there's gotta, I mean, I guess yeah. their, their argument is that there's got to be a business case for it, but exactly. how can it's almost like a manipulated marketing message to yes. like slapping the organic label onto a package and there's absolutely nothing organic about it. It's, exactly. it's unregulated as far as like those different labels are concerned. Yes. Um, switching gears a little bit into back into the, the, the content side of things. Outside of the industry, that, that's where I find a lot of inspiration as far as like content that I want to cover in the future. <laughs> what, who are some people that you find really interesting or <laughs> fascinating inside and outside of logistics that you kind of try to bring a little bit of that into it? Or yeah. do you really look at like other supply chain influencers, as, as, which is such a weird word to even say altogether? Um, uh, but it's sort of like the rise of influencer marketing and supply chain. Yes. But are you looking at other supply chain influencers or are you looking outside of the industry for inspiration? I'd say 50-50. I think I th- you do an incredible job. Cassandra's always been a big part of even my taking this job uh, to begin with. Um, uh, Chris Jolly, right? Like Chris Jolly irritate. I hope he sees this. You irritate me because I'm like, every day I'm like, God, now he has a morning show. Right. You know, like, all look I know. And he's now he's got a cool background. Um, so he like, yeah, well, he drives me nuts. Cause yeah, if it looks like I'm doing more work than, than him, I'm not. Um, so I think definitely 50% is like people like yourself. Um, I'm like, I, I like to bring humor into things. Mm-hmm. I think humor helps people understand and digest things better and it makes them remember mm-hmm. um, important things. So um, I'm like a huge, I love Barstool. That's like my, I, a huge Big Cat fan, which jealous, by the way, <laughs> that you got some Big Cat Twitter action earlier. <laughs> One time in my life. I know. I'm <laughs> so, I wish. <laughs> I know. Um I like the yak. I listen to the yak every single day. And I think um, using like humor to talk about topical things and make it lighter is, is some of my favorite stuff. Uh, um, as controversial as it can be, uh, and his humor is just 
weird is like Tim Dillon. Mm. Uh, one thing I love, yeah, I love how he can make an ad read sound like the actual show. <laughs> I, I listen to so many podcasts and I normally forward through ad reads mm-hmm. and I literally will listen through his because sometimes they're the funniest part of his show. And I think that's really cool. And I'm trying to actually even do that more with a serious show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because the ad reads are like J.D. Hunt, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I love J.D. Shelly. So it's like, I I take those type of skills from them and I try to put them into my own life. And then I think um, a, a huge one probably comes from like Stephen Colbert, but also John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like the way that he like tackles like his subject. So even like recently on Point of Sale, like I had that Star Wars Day show, right? That was a great show. Yeah. And it's it, it's it hits supply chain a little bit. It's it's funny. It's interesting. It has info that people wouldn't know. Um, and then it's and my guests come on and they're pumped about it because they love Star Wars too. So I think that's the type of stuff that I like. I want I want people to leave and be like, that's fun. And I think those type of Dooner is really great at this too. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this on like Slack and stuff. Is like. I don't even. I don't even think I could have a bad guest. I I like making a, a guest who's like really nervous, like leave and feel really good, and and that's like the fun. I think the fun of it, right? It's like yeah. Even if there's someone who's like, oh man, they might be nervous, or they're like, I don't, I've never done this before. It's like I'm gonna make you laugh, and then you're gonna open. And they always open up, and they feel more comfortable. So. Do you yeah. have a strategy for attacking that? Like, do you ask a fun question to start or anything like that? Um, on a point of sale, I do end it with like a game show where I ask oh, cool. them like their own consumer trends, like whether or not they buy their groceries in store or if they um, bracket where you like buy, buy multiple sizes and like send it back. Um, I honestly, though, I like to kind of come out of the blue. Hmm. I think like the random clever laugh is like usually more funny and like and it catches them off guard, and then for some reason it makes them relax a little bit more. Agreed. Um, so I usually like top of the show do a, do something along those lines. I also personally deep inside I like to kind of think of like the producing team in the back too. <laughs> like there's been numerous times where I'll log on to like record the show and I'll. I'll tell Isaiah and Christian, I'm like, I got a prop today. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to find out. So like that kind of stuff like makes me even seem more authentic, right? Because it's not like scripted. I'm like literally right. pulling stuff out of a hat. I'm like quite literally, I think literally pulled a hat out one day and they're like, what are you doing? So um, that's, but that's even my personality. So I yeah. think that's part of it too. It's just And I think myself. too, it's sort of the growth of the media within this industry that we've seen over the last couple of years. A lot of these folks are starting to get interviewed for the first time ever. They've been executives mm-hmm. and leaders at these companies for maybe 20, 30 years. And only now are they getting asked about their perspective yes. in a mainstream spotlight. So helping them to, to make it easier, I think, is, is always a good play. Yeah, and I always tell people... Because there's so much like PR, eh, whatever, PR people, I love you. <laughs> there's so much PR training in it. And I'm always like, I always tell people like in the notes, like I'll sometimes share examples, but like I wanted like a true example of something hmm. that you solved, like uh, of something that went wrong or, you know, sometimes it's there's this like layer of like 
marketing that's sometimes in people's responses. And so I think when I can like get them to open up, especially when you talk to like data analysts or engineers, you know, like how are you building these algorithms that are like changing our lives? And like, what is something that, especially with so many like um, Silicon Valley members coming into it, like what is something that when you're coding this that you assumed it should be this way, but then didn't consider pop trucks as hot shots or, you know. All of these the, other variables. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the cool content because it's going to hit someone really hard and that problem is going to really spark in someone's brain. And I think that makes for more, more interesting content than we have a visibility tool and we're going to, you're going to find your shipment. It's like, great. Yeah, exactly. But like, what are you going to do with that? Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, you you bring up a great point because it's it's all about telling stories. And I think that with telling stories and getting it to, to resonate with a bigger audience, which is what freight has sort of experienced over the last couple of years is making it relatable to your everyday lives. Like supply chain was always that thing that it was in the background that you didn't know existed until it, your stuff stopped arriving. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And even like my own family, I'll, uh, <laughs> they, uh, my, my parents will like listen to moments, but like never a whole episode. It's, it's over our head. That's kind of the kind, it's too over their head. And so sometimes, like even when they're talking about it, like my, my dad the other day was like, did you, did you hear that? <laughs> Uh, the, the trucks aren't making a lot of money. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I am. So I'll give them fun facts about it. It's, like, it's so funny, like how I have so many friends from college and I went to school into a liberal arts. Like my plan was to work in nonprofits and I worked for a couple senators in college. And so I have just so many friends now that are like in politics or kind of in that like era area that are like either coming to me, asking me about this kind of stuff or because I've shared stuff or like, I already knew about this. NPR was talking about it, but I already knew. So that kind of stuff I like. Because if yeah. it's working with people I know, then there's got to be people I don't know that are enjoying it too. Absolutely. I, I think anytime you can break it down for like the masses, because I think yes. we forget that a lot of this country is at a seventh or eighth grade reading level and they yes. don't understand the complexity of all the, the things that make the things get to you yes. and, and all of those, those tiny details. Um, last couple questions. What company do you want to cover that has eluded you? That has what? That has eluded you. Or maybe not on purpose, or maybe it, it's... it's uh, you, you want to, but it ha- just, for whatever reason, hasn't happened yet. Well, I would say Shelly Simpson, but that's about to happen in that's like an wild. hour. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know what? And, and I've, and I've, and I'm working on it. And I've like, I've seen them. I, I, I don't know if they're here today. And, and I've like working with the director of PR and hopefully you're hearing this now. <laughs> um... I want to start doing a series on my serious show where I start bringing on CEOs hmm. and I'm working on it because I want to make it, I want to do it on Fridays and I want to almost make it like a game show where I ask them questions, but it's nothing freight related. Hmm. And what I think would be cool is if somehow it, I could penalize you if you started talking about freight, but with that penal that penal that penalty would be a donation towards like St. Christopher's or something oh, cool. like that. Um, and the one person who I, I'm working on and I think would be really cool and because I've heard he did a Freightways event and he didn't want any notes. He, he went in cold. Hmm. Is Bra- Bradley Jacobs. Oh, wow. And I think that would be so cool to like interview him one-on-one and just 
not talk about Frey and just learn, because he's an incredible businessman who's done a lot of great mm-hmm. stuff for not just the waste industry, but um, logistics as well. But it's like, what's your favorite TV show, Brad? Right. You know, like, what do you do if you have a free hour? What do you do on a Saturday? Or, you know, what what's your favorite thing about your wife? Or, you know, things like that. And because I think sometimes you get to know these people and know that they're these humans. And, you know, I grew up in such a blue-collar household. I can't, like, to this day, have arguments with my dad about how to use credit appropriately. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> so it's like, I want people to understand, like, these aren't, like, gated, like, sorcerers and they're, like, castles, like, controlling all the money. You could easily become one of these people, too. Mm-hmm. And you might actually have a lot in common with them. <laughs> Life to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to edit that, like, zoom it in. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, I want them to know, like, they're all human and they're all approachable. And even, like, here, you probably get it, like, 80 times more than me. Like, people will come up and they're, like, I, you know, like, I wanted to... And I'm, like... Okay. What, we are the same people. Like, I right. have dishes in my sink right now. You know what I mean? Like, we are... Like, I am not any better than you. Um, and that's, you know, I just think what makes this industry so cool is that there's so many really cool people behind the scenes. And there's so many great stories that still need to be shared. And, yes, and, yeah. and you're doing a fantastic job of, of doing a, a lot of storytelling because you literally create so much content. So speaking of great content, where can folks follow more of your work and, and follow all the things that you're doing? Uh, so just go to uh, Freight Waves, type in Grace Sharkey. My articles will pop up there. If you go to podcast, Point of Sale, um, and Great Quarter Gals, that'll pop up as well. Um, you can find me at Twitter at Gracie, M-A-N-E, Frey, F-R-8. <laughs> um, or uh, anywhere you find me on social media, if you type LinkedIn, Grace Sharkey, you can find my bit.ly link, which I learned from you, which will get you to literally everything I do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, appreciate your time. Thank you. and, and thank you so much for sharing yes. all of your perspective and having patience with uh, the content creator kit, which still needs people. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts, along with my products and services, in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremley, and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.